Hello, and welcome to the Nerd and Normie podcast. I'm a big film nerd, Everett, who went to film school. And I am Emerald, and I'm dating a nerd. All right, this week, uh, we are going to talk about two different films that came out just recently. So we're going to start with a non-spoiler section and then move into spoilers for each of them. For my pick, I chose Dungeons and Dragons because it's new and it seemed fun. And even though that sounds like a nerd pick, mine is even nerdier. I picked the new film Ennis Maine. All right, here we go. Here's the thing. We're a team of thieves. And when you do this, you're bound to make enemies. Okay, I chose Dungeons and Dragons, directed by John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein, starring Chris Pine and Michelle Rodriguez. Um, I picked this because the trailers made it look fun, and we were both just hoping that they would lean into that and not take themselves too seriously. And in my opinion, I think that worked. Yeah, I think it definitely did. And just so everyone knows, this is going to be our non-spoiler section, and then we'll let you know when those spoilers are coming. Um, yeah, this movie, super fun. Super, super fun. Yeah, I really enjoyed all of it. I didn't think that I fully would. I kind of picked it as like a random movie. Um, I hadn't seen too much about it. Uh, but it just, from what I had seen, it looked really cute and it could be funny. So I figured, you know, we'd take a chance on it and I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed pretty much every scene. Yeah. And this is coming from two people who have never played the game. I have many friends who have, but for whatever reason, I've never joined in in a game. Um, and I can assure you, I did not feel lost. I did not feel confused or that there was a bunch of inside jokes that this movie just wasn't for me. Um, I really hope it's for Dungeons and Dragons fans because there's a lot of them and they deserve a good movie. Uh, but this is just from start to finish a fun, big, big budget blockbuster kind of movie, but it delivers. It doesn't feel hollow. It doesn't feel like a cash grab. Um, super, super good. Yeah. Um, and we also kind of lucked out with the theater we went to. I'm not sure. We looked it up. We're not sure if this is in every theater or if we just happened to stumble across this one. But the way we watched it, it took up every single wall of the theater. It was really cool. Just like the landscapes and everything would go onto the side walls and it made it really immersive. It was really fun. Yeah, it was super cool. I had not heard that that was going to be happening. I've done a quick Google search after and cannot figure out them advertising it. It's not in anything that I found immediately. We'll see if after this weekend of it going into theaters, if more people are talking about that. Um, I do agree. It was super immersive on those wide landscape shots. I will say it could get a little distracting. Um, it's very clearly like a weird kind of almost unreal engine recreation of the film as best it can matching so it doesn't always quite line up sometimes it's a little jittery and there are definitely weird animations when it comes to close-ups of humans or just like oh that's chris pine's face and he's pretend like its mouth is moving like he's talking but there's no words coming from him and they're just hoping you're not looking over there um and that could be a little distracting for some people but honestly didn't really bother me that much and i think it, going forward if this type of technology is used more for wide shots and establishing things like that um, can be super cool and super immersive yeah so this film follows chris pine 
as he reunites with some acquaintances on an epic quest, um, along with quite a few side missions to get them there. Yeah, and not side missions that really feel like they're distracting from the overall story. It always feels like if they are going to go on a side quest, it does develop one, if not multiple, of these characters and the group of thieves and whatnot. There's several cool action set pieces. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I will say, though, it is lighthearted and fun. I wouldn't necessarily say it's like a family movie or anything just because it does have some language. There's no violence. There's no anything else. Not like severe violence, at least. It's an action movie. So there's lots of killing. There's a few beheadings in action scenes. There's there's some there's some violence. But I wouldn't say it's like the bloody kind. It's not of gory. It's not gory. That's that's better. It's not gory. Um, but it doesn't feel like a family movie. Like I would definitely suggest it to an older audience, but the jokes hit for older people. I mean, it's really great. I would just say it's the language probably. Speaking of this nonviolent film, the action sequences in it are top notch. They hold their shots. They actually get stunt people in who know what they're doing and they pull off some really fun stunts. Um, and it's just really enjoyable action. It's a lot of that classic like problem solving where, oh no, this guy's grabbed me this way. And then they come up with a fun solution. It's not just, oh, I'll punch him really hard or the camera, they'll do a whole bunch of edits and the camera will be whipping all over the place. They actually put a lot of thought into each action sequence and they don't feel wasted. Yeah, I love a good choreographed fight scene. I'm not like a huge action movie person, but I love a good choreographed fight scene. And they had quite a few in this that were both like intense, but also very enjoyable and fun. Yeah. Another thing along with this that I think they did really well in this film is the balance of CGI to practical effects. It almost felt like a throwback to like a Lord of the Rings or um some of those like a matrix kind of 90s movie where yes there's lots of cgi there you know obviously this world doesn't exist and some of the creatures couldn't possibly be there but when they could they built a set when they could they made a costume there's actual animatronics for some of the creatures and stuff um and they do a really good job of utilizing those practical effects to ground the world and so there was never really a moment on it where it felt uh, just like a CGI fest. I feel this way a lot with Marvel movies and DC movies where there's a huge army of CGI whatevers and everyone like it just feels like, oh, it's an action scene. We're just going to swing around and watch CG doubles punch each other for 20 minutes. Um, but for this, it was actual people in actual costumes th- exchanging blows um, and just really great filmmaking from that standpoint. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. There was a couple parts with like magical effects that I would say were a little bit, not like cheesy, but like very much leaned into the CGI. But for a lot of the fight scenes, I would agree that they were very grounded in reality. There are two main villains in this movie. Um, One that's more centered with the plot and the characters themselves, and then one that's kind of like an overall villain. The villain played by Daisy Head, I wouldn't say is unnecessary. 
but... She's generic. She's generic. She's very much a super villain that you've seen before, so I wouldn't say it's anything new. I do think she played it very, very well. The other villain is very enjoyable. I found him very funny. Uh, so the um, second villain, and we're trying not to spoil anything here, but the one that's more connected to our main cast of characters. Uh, he's a bit more fun, but he he doesn't pose the threat, so I feel like they they needed some sort of kind of big, bad, just pure evil, evil for the sake of being evil kind of character. But for this type of movie, I think that works. Um, and at no point did I just like roll my eyes. Oh, here we go. It's this again. It was like, oh, no. OK, yeah, there's got to be a big bad. Um, and so it works. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. It does have a good balance of like being a bad guy for the sake of your own personal gain versus like being a bad guy for the destruction of the earth, you know. So I do think that is a good balance and I found them both to be very enjoyable. All right, now we're going to lead into the spoilers. Um, we're leaving time codes at the bottom. So if you would not like to hear this movie spoiled and just skip on to the next one, take a look down there and pause it right now so you don't get anything spoiled for you. Um, so this movie follows Chris Pine's character um, after him and Michelle Rodriguez get arrested in a heist gone wrong and they're trying to break their way out of prison, basically. Um, the comedy starts right off the bat, I would say, with him telling the story of his life. And it does very well to introduce why they're there and why he's been doing what he's been doing. Yeah, so the start is kind of an exposition dump. Um, but they know that it is. And so they do their best to make it fun. Um, there's a kind of recurring joke about Jonathan. Uh, and it's so funny. And then you find out, I was thinking the whole time it was like somebody from the same village or might know them or like something like that. But no, they just want to tackle him out of a window because he's half bird, half man. The bit where they reveal that they were actually going to be granted a pardon, but they decided to go out on the run and escape was so funny. I agree. Um, I also think the overlying joke of potatoes and her obsession with them is so funny too and her ending up using it as a weapon <laughs> it was funny you know yeah. kind of cheesy but i think it worked with the movie yeah it was super fun um another thing i really liked was all of the comedy with reggae jean page's character um his inability to grasp how people talk in colloquialisms and stuff and just refusal to partake in that was super enjoyable. I thought he was super fun and his action scenes were awesome. He was so cool. Uh, but yeah, tons of fun. I agree. And I think up till this point, at least with everything I've seen him in, he's been very much like the handsome man you know? And, like, he was still perfect in this movie, which is, like, another reason Chris Pine had such beef with him is because he's such a perfect man. But he was also funny and a little dorky and awkward. And it really, it really worked well. And he played it very well. Yeah. And it almost seems like the creators knew there's that one part where um, he's walking away from them when he leaves them to finish their quest. And he's walking and Chris Pine goes, wow, he's walking in a perfectly straight line. Oh, there's a rock coming. Is he going to go around it or over? Oh, no, he goes over it because 
this man does not break from his straight line perfect path. Yeah, it was very funny. And then when he shows up again at the end of the movie, he's still walking in a straight path. And it's just like, has he just been walking in a straight path this whole time? I don't know. I just found it. It was very funny. In terms of the villains we were talking about uh, earlier, uh, Hugh Grant's character was part of the band of thieves from the story we hear about in the exposition dump. Um, And then when we think there's a heist gone wrong, he seems to profit from it and suddenly has become this great lord of the city. And I thought they handled that very well. I think the reveal of him setting this whole thing in motion slash being preyed upon, having the red wizards come to him and know that they can trick him into going along for their plan uh, and just kind of using him like a pawn. thought that worked really well. And they revealed it at a good pace throughout the film. So you go, oh, okay, this is what's happening. Oh, he's being evil. Oh, no, of course, he's not the mastermind. He's just dumb Hugh Grant character who wants money. But I feel like he still worked as a villain. Yeah, I also think it was really funny that the Daisy Heads character, her main torture in the movie was having to spend time with Hugh Grant just because he's the worst. He's the worst. And he's very well played as... A villain, but not someone who's dangerous, whereas she's someone who's all danger and no comedy. Yeah, um, they go dangerously close to a sky beam villain with her um, as she calls down some special magic and is going to kill the whole city, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I think they handle it well. The effect was cool enough. I think it made enough sense that you could look past it. Uh, and then that leading into the final action scene, which was so sick. There's this awesome unbroken shot of all the heroes ganging up on Daisy Head's character. And it honestly is a bit reminiscent. I know I kind of bashed Marvel films earlier, but of Captain America Civil War, um, when they're just pounding down um, Bucky and Cap on Iron Man in this just like one shot. But this one was even more dynamic. And because it was heroes on a villain, I could like cheer for him and it was super cool to just watch them all go and her trying to fend them off it was so sick i will also say with her being like the sky villain whatever it was leaning into that almost like cliche thing but whenever i do see that i'm like why don't the people just leave and they did and that's so funny to me that she's like summoning this death to destroy the whole village and the only people she kills is the one percent who you know, donated all the money that they ended up giving back to the city. And then the city just leaves and gets all the money. And she's just there by herself. Yeah, that was that was very satisfying. So Sophia Lillis, her character, um, super fun, really liked her. I think she played her fantastically. And in that end fight scene, she turns back into her owl bear creature uh, and just absolutely wails on... Um, <laughs> on daisy head and it's so satisfying and it's so funny our audience was literally cackling and clapping having so much fun with it and it was so great to be a part of that theater experience i agree i will also say um the scene of sophia lillis when you're very first seeing all of the animals that she can turn into 
Um, and she's going to spy to see what the plan is when they're inside the castle. That was really intense, you know, and it was cool to see how many different things she could turn into to get out of that situation while still like holding your breath to see if she'd make it out. So I do think that it had a good amount of comedy mixed with, you know, intense action. It was really good. Yeah, no, this this film really used creativity well it used its characters well and put them in situations that challenged them and also allowed them to shine. Um, I think one of those characters in particular is Justice Smith's character. Uh, he he does well enough with the role. I will not say he's the most compelling of the characters. I think he's got a very kind of one note arc of I don't believe in myself. Oh, now I do believe in myself. I have confidence. Woohoo. Um, but I do think his magic and his kind of work with that is used super well, um, and making him kind of this underpowered wizard who then gains a bit of experience when he does at the end kind of pull off some sick magical moves. It feels earned and worth it. The only thing, the fact that he, you know, is trying and trying and trying with that helmet and then just being able to put it on at the right time because he overcame himself felt a little bit cheesy to me, but everything else I do feel like he earned, like he practiced it and it came in handy. I wish they would have used the grass smell thing again somehow because I thought that was really funny that that was his magic power. Even though, yes, he does get it right at the right moment, they clearly knew this was felt that way yeah they do even mention it early on where chris pine is talking to him and he says you're always able to you know get the magic out in the correct way right when we need it the most so i it did make sense with the story i just thought it was a little cliche all right one other character we have to mention is pudgy dragon he's so cute he's so so cute i was very sad he wasn't utilized more because I found him to be the best character in the movie, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, he wasn't really a bad guy, more as just an obstacle, but he was so cute. Yeah, and super fun and a good use of this kind of funny character. There was a moment where he flips over um, and instead of like, you know, the classic dragon shaking off its wings, throwing stones everywhere, getting back on and being super cool, uh, he just embraces the fact that he's rolling because he's big and round and he just rolls after them for a minute and it's awesome. And moving on to the ending, did it work for you? Like, did you feel emotionally connected with these characters during that final moment? Yes and no. I feel like they did their best with the time allotted to make you bond with Chris Pine's daughter and, you know, want to cheer for him to get his wife back, but not enough that I was, I would have been really sad, you know. Um, But the fact that he does trade his one chance to get what I'm assuming is his one true love back so that his daughter can have the mother figure she's always known, I do think is very sweet. But the fact that he goes, well, we can only use this once. And she goes, I know. And isn't, it's not even a second thought for her. I feel like it does make sense because she never knew her mom. But I do think it's, I don't know. Yeah, I was just confused in that moment. He's like, oh, we can only use this once. I feel like that should have come 
from the daughter because she knows how much her dad like he gave up her for two years because he wanted to try and get her mother his wife back and so she does know enough to know what it means to him that i think it should have been from her going but dad what about bringing your wife back and then he says something like no it means more for you to have yeah yeah because you know woman who raised you yeah i feel the exact same way because we had that weird side projection stuff i was very distracted it turned it on and off throughout the movie and for some reason during this emotional close shot moment they decided to turn it on and i was so distracted by the weird cgi bodies that were trying to match what the characters were doing um and that was the one moment where it really took me out of the film for worse because I maybe it was an emotional ending and I, it would have worked for me, but I'll never know because I was distracted by the fact that her hair would go back and forth from being super curly to being just like a flat blob. <laughs> See, I didn't notice that. So I guess, you know, it's hit or miss with those full full room theaters. <laughs> All right. And what would you give this uh, on a scale of one to ten? Um, I would probably give it seven and a half, maybe an eight, probably a seven and a half. I mean, I found it, I laughed a lot during it. I found it really fun. I would definitely recommend it to other people. It just wouldn't go in my list of movies that I'd rewatch a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think for me, it's probably higher. I think like an eight and a half, nine out of ten. Um, And that comes from, yeah, I was laughing the whole time. The action was super cool, super creative movie. Um, But it's also just one of those films that reminds me that big studio pictures can be good. We got one last year with Top Gun Maverick being awesome. Uh, And then we got another one here with this film that's like, yeah, we can make fun board game genre fantasy films for a very niche market and make them super fun and super entertaining. Uh, for everyone, not for, just for that niche audience. Yeah, exactly. And I really hope that studios get the right idea from this and do more of it. So I really hope it has a big box, box office. Yeah, I agree. I would definitely see it again. Like when we were leaving the theater, I, I told Everett I would love to come back and watch it again. It just wouldn't go in my repeat movie list of like over and over and over and over but I did really, really enjoy it. What is it exactly that you bring to this? I'm a planner. I make plans. You've already made the plan, so... If the existing plan fails, I make a new plan. So you make plans that fail. All right, moving on to my pick for this week, which is Ennis Main. It is by Mark Jenkin, and it's his follow-up film to Bait. I picked this movie because his first film is one I really loved. I saw it while I was at um, film school, and then went back and made all my friends come to watch it, and we all nerded out over it. Uh, Mark Jenkins is a very interesting director. He shoots on old-fashioned cameras uh, that do not allow for sound to be recorded in sync, Uh, and so he does all of his sound in post-production, and he leads a lot of that. He does the editing. He does the shooting. It's very indie filmmaking at its finest. It's a guy who loves a particular look and style, It's a guy who wants to do everything himself for better or for worse. And I think he's just a very interesting filmmaker. And uh, I continue to want to see what he does. So I picked Ennis Main. 
Um, we also went to a special screening of it with a Q&A with the director afterwards. Which was more just like a promo for the film. They had a few other people talk and uh, stuff. It wasn't quite a formal Q&A. Uh, but yeah, hearing him talk about it came across a little pretentious, but that's not shocking if you know anything about this film. Um, and so for this film, uh, in terms of non-spoilers, not that there's an awful lot to spoil, uh, it's a very interesting looking film. It's a very singular film. Um, I thought it did a good job of keeping me engaged despite not being very plot heavy. It is very much about the vibes and the visuals. Uh, and if you like to nerd out over film, you might get something out of this. I'm guessing you did not. So during the Q&A or the promo or whatever after the movie, when he was discussing why he does what he does, he mentioned that people say most of his films come across as horror, which is my favorite genre of film. Um, and so he wanted to make a horror movie. And in doing so, he wanted to make it feel like he was leading us out into the woods and instead of bringing us to safety like most horror movies do at the end, he wanted to leave us there feeling lost and confused. And the plot did that, but not in a way that I would brag about, probably. I did not know what was happening, but not in a way that was unsettling or scary, just in a way that I felt bored. I will say, yeah, at no point in this film was I scared other than I guess he does a couple like jump sound scares where he'll just like cut to something and the musical hit slightly harder. And that's as close to a scare as you're going to really get from this film. Um, yeah, because the sounds are loud and not movie theater loud like scary loud but not in a scary movie way it's very hard to explain unless you've seen it it's his films are very much about sound in a lot of ways and again for better or for worse he takes some artistic decisions with them and this film is very grating on the ears for long stretches i have no doubt that was intentional and if that's you know, it's much more experimental. So if that's your thing, you might get something out of this. Um, but don't expect it to be scary. Don't expect there to be a huge narrative for you to fall in love with or to be surprised about the big reveals. Um, it is not that type of film. I mean, it mostly follows one singular character. She is played by Mary Woodvine. Um, there are a few other characters-ish throughout the film, but it it usually follows her and what's going on with her. And that being said, that's all I would say about this film. If it's one that interests you, I would not look up much more about this. If you're into these types of movies, just go in blind and see if it works for you. But if not, we are going to move into spoilers. Okay. All right, here's the spoil. Everything, nothing happens. She's Literally on an nothing. island. Yeah. It's funny because my biggest complaint whenever it shows me a movie is that nothing happens. And this one, I was side-eyeing him the entire film because nothing happened. 
normally i i disagree a good example of this one of my favorite movies portrait of a lady on fire i think is a beautiful film and the emotional journey those character goes on those characters go on is amazing and she looked at me at the end of that and was like nothing happened they just chatted on an island for two hours and for once i can't disagree there is not a arc there is not a journey there is a sequence of visuals that vaguely connect and create a feeling for this character that we may or may not have access to none of the plots really fit together not that it ever really sets up for a plot um i did not find the visuals unsettling i think the only emotion that he left me in the woods with was was bored for me i'm gonna try and explain what i think the idea of this film is what the not plot but like what it's what the physical events are and then what they're there for and so mary woodvine is some sort of ecologist type person and she's studying these rare flowers that are growing in one particular rock on the edge of a cliff Um, on a small island off the coast of England or Wales or Scotland, somewhere in the UK. And she's out there by herself, and she keeps getting these flashes. One round of flashes is to what is a young her nearly falling off stuff constantly or standing at the edge of cliffs and stuff. And then finally later, she falls through some glass and gets a cut on her stomach, which is represented by a scar on the present-day version of her. Um, we also get these moments with a fisherman kind of character or a boat he deli- driver. He delivers supplies to the island. Yeah. And uh, that crew on that boat, according to a plaque we see, dies in the attempt to get back out to the Govanik, their ship. Um, and at various points, we either see him alive. We see them hooking up. We see him dead in the water. She finds his jacket at a random part of the island and brings it back. Um, And then the next one is there is a group of miners. Every time she walks past this mine shaft, she drops a rock down, rock down to hear it splash. And eventually it doesn't do that. And she starts to see these men down there. And then sometimes they're up on the surface with her. uh, And there's this old chimney that sometimes is smoking or not smoking. Next, there is a priest figure, uh, and he is singing with a baby or just kind of there in vibes. Uh, And then there's also these seven milkmaids um, who are on a tin, but then also sometimes stomping behind her while she naps and looks at flowers. And there's children that sing. And they're singing children. Yeah, they have no connection to anything. So now that you know, those are all the things that happen in this film that's it there's no arc there's no discovering who these people are or why they're there but for me it was about seeing these glimpses of humanity there's the boatman and his inevitable death um and knowing what that is uh but also still needing his supplies even though it will cost him his life I think with the miners down in the shaft, it's the humans destroying this island, uh, but also at the same time, they're in permanence and they're just gone. Similar to her with the flowers, they're these beautiful flowers, but sometimes she cuts off a stem of one or lichen grows on them and nothing's permanent. And it's this 
to and fro between nature and humanity. Milkmaids, I'll admit, don't really know what that's about. Uh, The old self or the young self of her that she sees, I think is just her childhood trauma manifesting itself and her fears and a moment in her life where she felt she was going to die um, coming back and kind of haunting her as she's out here alone and in peril. So yeah, I think, you know, all of these things have maybe have deeper meaning, maybe don't, but I liked that. I enjoyed kind of just going on this journey. I just... I know you like pretentious movies, but I just couldn't get past it. It kind of reminded me of when we went to see Men, when we very first started dating. But in Men, I feel like they did set up that feeling of woe and dread at the beginning in the first half. And even though they ended it in a way that neither of us enjoyed, it at least evoked a feeling of disgust or uncomfortability. And we didn't really like the movie overall but it at least made me feel something, you know? And this, it was just nothing. I was so bored. Like, none of the sounds, they all just hurt my ears, and I just, it wasn't for me. Yeah, about five minutes into this film, I was like, ooh, yeah, she is not going to like this one. I will say another thing about this director, Mark Jenkin, um, and something he did with Bait as well, with this kind of post-synchronous sound, is he just puts sounds where he wants them to be, not where they actually are. And that can be kind of weird and just, like, confusing if you're not on board. Um, And another thing that um, I've seen him talk about in an interview is never putting anything in the trash um, when he's cutting the physical film because he shoots on physical film. Um, When he's cutting it, he doesn't throw the scraps away. He saves the scraps because he's always like, huh, maybe I want to just throw a flash forward or a flashback. And that is this film in its entirety. There is no moment where there is a point A, point B, point C. It is just fragments of moments and it's up to you, but also not your job at all to put it together. It's not a film that wants to have a timeline. It's just there. It's these collection of moments and feelings. And there might be things that feel like they're building to something. And then you find out, oh, no, that's already happened like maybe a decade ago, maybe more. Maybe it never happened. And it never tries to explain itself. And while sometimes I think that can be really frustrating in a film for it not to come together and have some sort of resolution, something about his style of filmmaking works for me and lets that slide and I'm not expecting there was no moment during that film where I was like huh I can't wait to find out what these are about I was just like oh no I'm just I'm along for a ride yeah I will say him talking about adding the sound and stuff was kind of interesting afterwards so I'm glad we did stay for that after the film because at the very beginning he there's a scene of a bird that flies into the water And he talks about how he just couldn't replicate that sound in the studio at all. Um, So he used a sound from later in the film of this glass shattering when the bird hits the water. Um, And it's like foreshadowing that sound later. And I feel like if we hadn't stayed for the Q&A, I never would have even noticed. But it is interesting to like look back on it and be like, oh, I wonder what else he just 
you know, reused or like put in there because it, it is a cool concept using the old cameras where the sound doesn't align. Another thing that kind of maybe is why I give it a pass, I guess I'd say, is it is true indie filmmaking. When the credits roll, there's only like 50 names in total that and maybe maybe reaching on like 75 to 100 if you include the thank yous but there's no 500 vfx artists there's no 17 assistants to these people it is the bare bones of filmmaking and they're just hanging out as he said later they never actually shot on an island because that's too hard they shot in their backyards and just down the street at a park because that's the locations they had and he also talked about how in creating the film, he'd be sitting in the edit room and it's because it doesn't have a narrative, he didn't know where to go per se or something. And he would just choose these moments because they felt right. And and it worked to get him out of the issue of a scene not working or something. And so he's able to just create these moments from all these random bits and pieces. I don't think I have ever worked on a short film of any length in which I haven't had to try and get creative in the edit and just stitch things together and hope that people get the vibe I want them to get. And you're, you know, it's a real testament to that can work on the feature film scale. And he got money to go make this movie and it's out there and people can see it now. And I think that's something to be applauded. The editing was interesting. That part where she's glitching, that was weird and interesting. I would love to know how they did that on practical film. Yeah, I also would want to know, like, what it meant. But, you know, it was it was interesting to watch. I will say that, like, probably 20 minutes of those, that scenes and those, that part edited together, it was very interesting. I think... If you are interested in this, maybe watch Bait first. Bait actually has a plot. It has a structure. It also, it uses the old-timey feel, even in a modern world, I think slightly better than this film. I think this film could be shot in normal ways and just somebody messed with the sound in post, um, whereas Bait really needed that. And that movie, also the non-linear kind of editing moments and stuff, work really well in that film and so if you're interested in this or if you liked this or if you thought it was interesting but this one wasn't quite for you i would highly recommend bait okay well what was your overall rating i will give this one a six and a half out of ten that's surprising i will give it a two that's better than a one that's what i thought was coming (laughs) i mean it wasn't one that I walked out of. I mean, you were my ride, but it wasn't one that I walked out of. I did find some of the scenes pretty and I found the editing interesting, um, but I would not recommend it. Yeah, I I also would not recommend this to a general audience, but if you are a film nerd or you have some sort of love for old-fashioned films or that kind of technique of filmmaking, or you love just super art house kind of non-linear vibey stories where it's just a collection of visuals, then this might be for you. Can you hear me? All right, 
right. Well, thank you for listening to our podcast. Make sure to follow us on TikTok and Instagram at Nerd and Normie, and we will be posting every Monday. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye.